Listen, if you have your Bibles and you don't mind standing just a brief second longer, I promise you I won't hold you long. Go with me to the Gospel according to... Well, no, no, no. I'm going to read from the Gospel according to Matthew. But I want you to go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'll meet you there in just a second. Find your way to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to read while you're searching Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 12. But before I read, can you just repeat after me? Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renewing me a right mind that I will do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read two verses and then I'm going to fast forward to 1 Peter with you. Looking at verse 10 and 12, it says there, uh, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opened their treasures. They presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left their own left for their own country by another way. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. When you got it, say, I got it. Let's get it together. It's the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bethany, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. Verse 10, as to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made carefully search and inquire, seeking to know what persons or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glorious, the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that were not serving themselves, but you. And these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you 
at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourself as in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. For a moment today, we want to lift up this text and title it, The Gift of Holiness. You may be seated on today. We are currently in week three of a series entitled The Gift Exchange. Uh, we started this series off talking about the gift that God gives us. The gift that God gives us is nothing less than life itself. We realize that life was given to us in the beginning through God forming us out of the dust and breathing his breath into our own lungs. And we also realize that life has also been given to us a second time through the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We realize that God created life for a relationship, but he also created life through redemption. Amen? Amen. Then we went on last week and we talked about now that God has given us the great gift of life, what do we owe to God? And so we look at uh, the, the, the notes, the records of what took place on the day and the time when our Savior Jesus Christ was born. Uh, we found out that there were some individuals, if the children who were here with us on last Wednesday, what were these individuals called? Come on. Magi. And what have we come to call the Magi? Wise men. Uh-oh, somebody that fell asleep on me. I told y'all I was going to call y'all out today. And so the Magi, they brought them some gifts. And the first gift that they brought them was what? Gold. And the gold represented what? Royalty. Exactly. Gold was something that was rare, that represented royalty, and they was preserved and reserved for kings and queens, for people of royalty. And so when they brought Jesus Christ the gold, baby Jesus the gold, they were representing who he was as his royalty. He is, he is king of kings, lords of lords. Amen? So today we're going to look at the second thing that was brought, which was frankincense. I see somebody don't want me to call on them this morning, but I can't help but to call on you, Jazz, because you, you look in the other way. So what does frankincense represent from a biblical perspective? Uh-oh, your daddy going to get you. Holiness. All right, there we go. We, listen, we wasn't going to move on. Cowboys don't play until late tonight. We was going to sit here and ride this thing out. So frankincense represents holiness, right? Now, we want to understand what is frankincense. Frankincense is a, is a sap. It's, it's a sap that comes from a unique tree that's found in the east, mostly in Africa more than anything else. And it's a sap that's dried up and formed, and it was believed to have medicinal purposes. It was believed that this sap could actually heal certain issues within your body. However, from a biblical perspective, frankincense was reserved for the priest. It was reserved for the priest because it was used in, in a ceremony that was that that they considered to to cause them to be holy. It was it was them setting themselves apart from the normal people. It was them putting themselves in a position to say, you know what? I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to purify myself so that I can be considered holy in the presence of God. So essentially, when the Magi brought frankincense to our Savior, it was a representation of His holiness of how pure he was, how without flaws, without blemish he was. It was, his, it was their gift to signify who he was. Now, on the flip side of it, how do we give and show holiness to God today? Through our lifestyle. I know this is not the word that most people won't, don't want to hear. Holiness is one of those words that we, we kind of have buried in the ground. Uh, you can talk about sin more than you can talk about holiness. Uh, we don't want to talk about how it's our responsibility to live in the manner that God has called us to live. This is why I had to tie First Peter chapter 1 with the 
representation of what happened in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, because Peter has somehow found a way to properly articulate what exactly holiness is within the text. He reminds us that it's already written that we have to be holy. We have a responsibility to be holy. It is a requirement to be holy. Why? Because our Lord and Savior himself is holy. And so when we are talking about the gift exchange, when we're talking about the gifts that we give God, we not only want to give God the representation of gold, the things that are most valuable to us, but we also want to give God ourselves. We also want to give God ourselves, the, us entirely. Matter of fact, the life that we're living is not even our own life anymore. Once you accept Jesus Christ, it's as if you signed a contract and you've signed your life away so that the life that you will continually live from this day forward would be a life that represents Christ, not that of yourself. In order to represent Christ, you have to live holy. It's just that simple. Uh, Peter, the apostle, he writes this epistle, he writes this letter to a group of individuals who have been considered to be outcasts, to a group of individuals that are in different places, but they're going through their own struggles. And he writes this letter to remind them, listen, I'm thankful that you're with the faith, but as long as you're with the faith, I need you to remain holy. He, he essentially leads them to believe that holiness is almost just as valuable as healthiness. We have to understand that for a believer, that holiness should essentially represents healthiness within our lives. When you talk about living holy, you should look at yourself and say, I'm living healthy. I, and when I'm living holy, I'm living spiritually healthy. I'm, I'm doing the right things. I'm doing what God is asking me. I don't think not one of us in this place today would want to be sick if we don't have to be. Uh, besides the kids who would like to be sick to be out of school, but even right now, they don't want that. Why? Because they have two weeks out for the Christmas break. I know I'm crying about it. I'm sorry uh, that, that y'all have all this time out. I don't remember it being two weeks when I was in school. I'm, I'm sure it was, but I wish they would let let you go school year round and just be done with it. I love y'all. But here it is. Peter reminds them that you don't get a break. Peter reminds them no matter what it is that you're going through, you have to remain holy. You have to always understand that your holiness is connected to your healthiness. I wonder how many of us can actually say that we're healthy in the eyes of God. Not the fact that we come to church. Not the fact that we realized it was 18 degrees this morning and we still sacrificed and came here. Because that doesn't equal holiness. How many of us really can say without a shadow of a doubt... That when it comes to being holy because Christ is holy, we have truly represented holiness within our lives. I, I don't expect it to be from beginning to end. I, I'm just talking about from the moment that you said yes to Jesus, have you been living holy? Matter of fact, that's too much. This morning when you woke up, from the moment you left your house, after you brushed your teeth, has every thought that crossed your mind been a holy thought? Has every conversation that you've had been a holy conversation? Not saying that it has to be about Jesus, but saying that there was no conflict in what, what you were doing. That God wouldn't look upon you and frown about the things that you said or the way that you behaved. That person that cut you off on the freeway. Oh my God. The way the wind caught you when you walked out the house. Was everything about today holy? We have a responsibility to be holy in and out of every season of our lives. I want, I want to lift up something today as I was examining Peter. Peter, he's taught me a lot about holiness. Uh, I grew up in a holiness church. I, I thought that holiness was simply about how well I shouted uh, and not the Baptist shout, the scream. I'm talking about the dance and shout. Uh, I, I thought holiness was about making sure that you women had skirts all the way down to your knees and then pass it to your ankles. I thought all of that stuff made holiness, wearing no makeup, no earring. I thought all of that was holiness. But Peter showed me something different. Peter showed me that holiness is a lifestyle. And he showed me that if you really want to be holy, there's three key categories that you have to get control of to establish a holy 
mindset, a holy lifestyle. And those three categories real quickly are mentally, spiritually, and physically. He says that you have to gain some type of control, some type of stability within your life, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And, and I'm not just one to tell you something, so I want to make sure that I show it to you in the text because I believe that if somebody really defined what holiness is, you would stop struggling, we would stop struggling with so many things that we go through on a day in and day out basis. If I really understood what God expected of me and how it should look, I think our conversations would change simply because we have the knowledge that there has to be something different about who we are and how we're supposed to behave. And the first thing that Peter shows me within the text is that mental health requires mentally preparation, mental preparation. Mental health requires you to mentally prepare. You don't believe me. I want you to look at verse 13, chapter 1 with me. And the first part of that text simply says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Peter is, is giving them an order to be holy, for he is holy. And he says, the first thing that I need you to do is to prepare your mind for action. What does this mean? That we have, to, in order for us to be mentally healthy, we have to prepare mentally. Many of us encounter issues and problems in our lives because we don't take the time to mentally prepare. We don't take the time to, to get ourselves right, to think things through. Uh, my son Isaiah is, is my heart, my love, my joy, but Isaiah has an issue. Uh, he, he moves too fast. Uh, his, his, his mind ain't caught up with his body just yet. And, and so Isaiah, we, we decided to make hot chocolate last night at home. We wanted to make hot chocolate. We were going to play the Jenga game that he always loses to me. And, and we, we were sitting there playing. And, and here it is that Isaiah got so caught up with his hot chocolate uh, that he, he lifted his cup up. But instead of lifting it straight up, he was tilting it the other way. He was tilting it the other way, which essentially means that hot chocolate was about to spill out. Now, he had spilled hot chocolate over and over and over again. It had already happened. And so this time I was fed up. And I said, Isaiah! And he looked at me and shook. Chocolate went everywhere. <laughs> and Isaiah says, why, Daddy, why do you have to yell at me? All you have to do is say, Isaiah, stop. <laughs> and I told Isaiah, listen, how many times have I told you over and over, watch what you're doing? How many times have I said to you, think about it before you do it? I want you to mentally prepare before you make an action. Some of us act before we think. Some of us, we will just let our bodies begin to roam before our mind even catches up. And it's not until we're in the midst of whatever we're doing that we begin to think to ourselves, why did I even do this? Why, why am I in this situation in the first place? I know Better than this. I know he don't mean no good for me. I know this ain't the type of conversation that God would be pleasing with. But we get so caught up in the hype. We get so caught up in the action that before we think about it, we do it. Peter says to the people in that, in that verse, he says, listen, I need you to prepare your minds. As a Christian, how do you prepare your minds? You realize that you are different. You're not built to fit in. Matter of fact, later on in the text, he says, be ye in the world, but not of the world. He reminds us that you are different. Many of us are struggling because we don't want to accept that fact. We haven't mentally came to terms with, as a believer, I don't fit in with everybody else. As a believer, everybody ain't going to be my friend. Everybody's not going to like me. I'm not going to be able to be in any and every relationship. I won't be invited to any and everything. We are so caught up with the fact that we just want to be a part that we don't think about it. Is this really good for me? Is this really where I'm supposed to be? Is this a part of God's plan for me? If you have given your life to God and you've asked God, God, use me, why don't you allow him to utilize you how he chooses to utilize you? Why don't you allow his plan to become your plan instead of you making your plan his plan? Peter says to these, these individuals who are aliens, the Bible calls them, because they're in foreign lands, and he says to them that, you don't belong. I need you to wrap your mind 
around that and get that right. The second thing that Peter leads us to understand is not only that you have to be mentally healthy, but you have to be spiritually healthy. And in order to be spiritually healthy, you have to, it requires a spiritual awareness. It requires a spiritual awareness. When we look at the second half uh, clause of the verse 13, it says what? Keep a sober spirit. Fix the hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So listen, first part he says, fix your mind. Second part he says, fix your spirit. He says, I need you to have a sober spirit. I don't have to get a fancy Greek word for you. Uh, We don't have to make sure that you understand what sober means. Uh, We've been to the club. Uh, We've seen people that's been intoxicated. Some of our spirits are walking around drunk. And I'm not talking about a a positive, I'm caught up on the Holy Ghost drunk, as the holiness folks used to talk about. I'm I'm talking about we're drunk because we're confused. Our spirits are so confused because we allow any and everything. We're just taking whatever we can find. We're just taking it in in our lives on a day in and day out basis. You wonder why you can't control the things about you because you're confused. You're caught up in a conundrum. You, 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 you don't understand where you're at. One of my favorite $5 words was you're discombobulated. <laughs> you're thrown into a state of confusion. You know why I know it? Because Sunday you holy, but Monday through Friday you raising hell. I was giving you Saturday just as a get right. You're confused. You, 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 you don't even know where you stand. The problem is that we feed negativity more than we feed spirituality. And so Peter says when you're going through, I need you to understand not only does your mind have to be right, but your spirit has to always be aware. You can't just take in what you want to take in. How do you have an aware spirit with the word of God? This is how you feed your spirit. This is, this is the proper nutrients that your spirit needs. But you know the issue is? We won't read this. We'll pick up Ebony. We'll pick up Essence. We'll read everybody post on Facebook. But we won't read the word of God. And it's not no slack to you. It's not just our churches. It's everybody. It's believers all over America. Statistically, it shows that most believers only pick up their Bible one day. Sunday. That means your whole faith, your whole stability on who God is rests on what I say. You have given me control over your life because you're going to take whatever I say and you're going to leave with it. I don't doubt it that I could get up here if I had a church full of people that didn't study the word and I could say that David was Jesus' daddy. And everybody would go home and post on Facebook, David had Jesus. If you don't study on your song, the Bible says itself, study the song thyself, approve. We have to get to a point where we are spiritually aware because of the fact that we're feeding ourselves the right things spiritually. We're taking the time to get and build our relationship with God. We're taking the time to develop a life of prayer with God. We're taking the time to build a foundation with fasting. We're taking the time to build a foundation with everything that God has asked us to do within his word. The thing is that we don't know how to do it if we never read it. Somebody saying, well, Pastor, the Bible is too confusing. I I don't really understand it. They have so many different versions of the Bible that you can find one that you can comprehend. Facebook is so full of knowledge right now. You can just put something out there and somebody will give you an answer. Somebody will help you. Man, I've wasted several hundreds of thousands of dollars on books and, and commentaries and this software called Lagos. When now it's so simple, I can just type, what's the Greek word for this in Google? And it gives it to me with the definition. Everything that you need is at your fingertips. The question is, do you really want it? You know why most people like to be drunk? Because it eases the pain of reality. 
it keeps them confused. It keeps them in a place where they feel happy even though they're not happy. You know why most of us stay living in a worldly life? Because it keeps us from reality. It, it makes us feel good. It makes us think that everything is all right. It's a temporary satisfaction. That's why you always got to do it over and over. Amen. I only had to accept Jesus once. I don't have to accept Jesus over and over. Amen. But in order to be high and happy off the club, I got to go every weekend. Because by, by, by Friday, the week then had its toll on me. And, and I'm tired and my boss didn't upset me. I need to go relax. I got to go to the club again and get my fix. There's nothing the world can do to satisfy you. Because the world has nothing to offer you. I know that's hard for some of us to receive, but that's the reality. That's what Peter is saying. There's nothing the world can do for you because the world has nothing to offer you. Think about the things that you get upset about. I don't have enough money. I don't have a big enough house. I'm not this picture perfect relationship. All of these things that you get upset about and frustrated about. But the thing is, you shouldn't because if it's not part of God's plan... It shouldn't even bother you. God has a unique plan for all of us. It's very different. It has a different package. And the thing about it is when you get caught up in God's plan, you will find joy, peace, and happiness beyond your understanding because of the fact that you are operating in your plan. It's frustrating for you because you're outside of the plan. It's like getting one of those, those, those desks from Walmart and not reading the instructions. It gets frustrating to you because what? You're not following the plan. Just because you think you know what to do doesn't mean that you do. You're going to end up wasting time. You're going to end up making yourself stressed. Why? Because you're trying to do it your way and not the way that has been outlined for you. This same process applies to your life. God has outlined a way for you to live. God has made it simple. He has made it plain. All you have to do is say, you know what, God? I want to follow your will. I want to do it your way. Peter says, I need you to get mentally stable. I need you to get spiritually stable. Then he gives us a third principle. He says, not only that, but I need you to get control of yourself physically. He says that physical health requires for you to be physically disciplined. You don't believe me? Look at verse 14. After Peter has told him to fix your mind, he's told him to, to fix your spirit. Then he says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which you, which you were ignorant in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be yourself also in all your behaviors. Peter tells them that not only do I need you to get mentally right, not only do I need you to get spiritually right, but I need you to get physically right. When we think about holiness, holiness takes part in three parts. It deals with your, with your, your mind, it deals with your spirit, then it deals with your body. Why do we need to understand this? Because if we can get our mind under control, we control what we think. If we get our spirit under control, we control what we believe. If we get our body under control, we control what we do. Amen. It's just that simple. If you can get your mind right, your spirit right, and your body right, then you put yourself in the proper position to receive what God has for you. Peter says in the text, as obedient children. Well, what does that mean? That there's a possibility that I could be disobedient. Just because you give your life to Christ doesn't automatically deem you holy. Just because you say, I do to Jesus, doesn't automatically say, from here on out, you're not going to sin anymore. Holiness is something that you have to work towards daily. Yes. Holiness is something that you have to fight for day in and day out. We say it all the time. Paul said what? I have to beat my flesh up under submission daily. Holiness is achieved through you willingly making a sacrifice to do what God has asked you to do. And then Peter says this. He says, not only do it some ways, do it in all ways. And everything that you do, do it unto God. And everything that you do, do it in such a way that considers you to be holiness. Holiness is the combination of how we think. It's the combination of what we believe and how we behave. 
if we can get to a point that we can understand all of this, then maybe we can begin to live right. See, some of us think that just become we come just because we come to church, it makes us holy. Just because we know Jesus, it makes us holy. Judas knew Jesus. Judas went to every message that Jesus spoke. But Judas wasn't holy. Yet and still, his behavior caused him to betray Christ. He betrayed him through his thought process. He betrayed him through his mind. He betrayed him through his behavior. His spirit wasn't right. It was all jacked up. And then what happens? He goes and he physically betrays Jesus. He goes and he tells somebody, look, check this out. Jesus is going to be here. And as a result of him being here, I need you uh, to pay me my silver so you can go have him. And what happens after it? He, re he regrets it. He regrets it so much that the Bible says he hung himself. He took his own life because of the decision. Some of us are living lives that daily we'll rather wish we were dead than in situations that we're in. Why? Because we are not doing what God has asked us to do. We know the minute that we do it, we betray God. That's that feeling of guilt that you get right after of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That feeling that you didn't talk to somebody you didn't have no business. Why did I even talk to them? Let me delete this message. You didn't gave somebody some money that you wasn't supposed to give. You didn't slept with somebody you wasn't supposed to. All, all of it. And all of a sudden, right after of it. It was fun in the moment. But right after of it, don't to be more careful. Why do you want to keep going through that? Why do you want to keep going through that, that field? So Peter shows us all of these things. Peter shows us all of these things. But then what I really love about the text, not only does it say that we shall be holy because he is holy, identifying that Christ himself is holy. This is the reason why the frankincense was given unto Jesus because he was holy and we're giving a holy gift. That means that we should also them that what? Be holy. But I love this. And if you ain't got happy about nothing else, because I know y'all don't want to live a holy lifestyle. It's not what you want to do. I, I've got happy at this last part. I got happy because when you look at the text in, in verse 22 through 23, it says, since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, Fervent love of one another from the heart. For you have been born again. Not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. See, y'all didn't catch it. In the text, it says that you've been born again. Why? Because you have been chosen to be what? Obedient from a seed that's not perishable, but imperishable. Y'all didn't get it. You have been born again when you choose to live the way that God has asked you to live. Not from a seed that is perishable. Means that it can fail. It can die. It can destruct. It will not live. It will not produce life. There is nothing there. But from a seed that is imperishable. Which means that anything that you touch your hands to. For God's purpose will naturally what? grow. Any relationship that you're in for what God has asked you to do will what? Naturally grow. Here it is in the text. It's simple. If you do it God's way, you will prosper. If you do what God is asking you to do, you will prosper. Then this, this is the part. This is the part that threw me. Because if you're anything like me, you know that every word in the Bible has a meaning. And so therefore, now my question is, who is the you? Because in this text he says, you and your. And I want to make sure that I know who's the you because I know even though the Bible lists specific, specific individuals in the Bible, it's still applicable to me today. So I need to find out what I had to go all the way back to the beginning and I needed to look because this you was referring to the people that he was talking about at the very beginning. This you was referring to the people uh, in the beginning of the text who he told that if you get your mind right, if you get your spirit right, if you get your life right, then you will be blessed. You will receive a great harvest that your seeds will continually grow. So who is this you? 
This is the part that's going to make you happy. I found out by looking in the text in verse 1, the yous of the text are the aliens of the text. Uh, what does that mean for us as believers? There were aliens that didn't fit in. There were aliens who wasn't accepted. There were aliens who people talked about. There were aliens who people laughed at. There were aliens who people put down. Catch this. You can be an alien today. You can be an alien on your job when people talk about you. You can be an alien in your family when people laugh at you. It's okay to be an alien as long as you're doing it the right way. It's okay to be an outcast. It's okay to be on the outside of what God is asking you to do. But the Bible says that because if you're on the outside, God will make sure you're on the end. He shows within the text that those yous who are going to get blessed, those yous who are going to have that great seed are the people that people have talked about. I, I, got, a, I got happy about that, but I didn't want to just stop there. I said it was some other things that he said about them yous. I need to, I need to find out who, who those yous are, Sister Alicia. And, and then I had to go to verse 6 because verse 6 showed me something else about them yous. It showed me that the yous in verse 6 are the ones that have been going through various trials and tribulations. Uh, you don't believe me. Let's look at the text. In verse 6 of 1 Peter, it says simply, In this you greatly rejoice, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Whoa, that blessed me. I don't know about you, but I go through something every day. So if I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I remain holy, that God will bless me day in and day out despite what I'm going through, it includes me. Why? Because I'm one of the yous that go through something day in and day out. It may look like I got it all together, but every day is a struggle. Sometimes I don't want to get up and go to work. Sometimes I don't want to love on people the way God has called me to love on people. But yet and still, because of the situation and where God has put me in, guess what I have to do? I have to remain holy. So God has said, I'm going to bless the people who who get talked about for me. I'm going to bless the people who go through for me. And he, he shows us one more characteristic of those yous. One more characteristic of those yous. In verse 7 through 9, he shows us that the yous are the individuals who have been serving him through faith, even though they haven't seen him face to face. Ooh, that blessed my soul. That blessed my soul because I've been one of those individuals that have... have uh, have been going through, and, and people have talked about me. They put me down and say, he's just trying to start a church. He don't want to be up on the end. I've been that individual that people have, have, have put their mouth on. I, I've been that individual that, that because of what I committed to do for God, I, I've lost some things. I've struggled with some things. I've had to worry about some things. I, I've been that individual. But now, God, you're telling me that I can also be the individual within the text that long as I serve you faithfully through faith, even though I have not seen your face, I am what? Holy? Amen. Peter says there's something special about you people that worship Jesus. And you didn't walk with him. Peter was an apostle. The reason why he was apostle, because the text says in order to be apostle, you have to be one of the ones that walked with Jesus. He, he seen what Jesus did. He heard what Jesus had done. He, he had been there. He had experienced it. He knew it. He was a part of it. And so he says, I have a reason to trust him. But you ain't even seen his face and you trust him? I promise you, if you remain holy in everything that you're doing, God will bless you. Listen, this is a prophetic word from way back then. God wants to do something for you now. All you have to do is stay on the path. If you're not willing to stay on the path, basically what you're doing, every time you mess up, you're hitting reset. You wonder why you're going through the same thing over and over. You wonder why every year it seems like you're in the same situation. It's because every time you say no to God, you hit reset. And every time you hit reset, it takes you right back to the beginning because there's something you hadn't learned along the way. Listen, y'all can act like y'all ain't had no resets. I've had several times in my life where I've, it wasn't always on New Year's either, where I came to God and said the same time last year I was in the same situation what is it that I didn't do last time that I didn't that I'm supposed to do now what is it that I didn't learn last time that I'm supposed we need to quit just having fun with this reset button we just having fun thinking that you know what I, my whole life is going to be about a reset one day that button ain't going to work one day you're going to wake up and matter of fact you're not going to wake up 
You live the whole life thinking that, you know what, I can hit reset at the last minute and get it right. But the truth be told, everybody don't get to accept Christ on their deathbed. Some people die before they can ever ask for forgiveness. So how foolish is it us that's supposed to be believers? How foolish is it of us who's supposed to be representation of who Christ is? That every day we still choose to live like the world. Every day we still choose to want to be accepted by the people who hate us the most. Every day we still choose to try to fit in and receive the things of the world when they don't want us to have any of it in the first place. Why do you waste your time over and over? Why do you waste your time keep going through the same things? Trying to find a different way to do it when there's only one way that works. And that's God's way. You want to know why you keep failing? You keep failing at trying to do it your way because at one point in your life, you've said yes to God. At one point in your life, you had a true conviction about who God is and you said yes. And the catch is you have now allowed God to enter your heart, which means he's not going to allow you to fail. At least not without a fight. He's not going to allow you to be comfortable in the lifestyle that you're living. He's not going to allow you to keep going through the same things over and over. But why? Because it's his job to make sure that you are aware that you're on the wrong path. If God is your GPS, he's saying, listen, reroute, redirect. We sit here. And we don't realize the best gift that we can give God is not only our life, but our lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best gift that we could possibly ever give him is wrapped up in us just being committed to who he is. Us getting our mind right, us getting our spirit right, us getting our bodies all under control so that we can honor who God is. If we were the magi within the text, and we had an opportunity to bring holiness to Christ. Would our hands even be worthy to carry it? Would, would we even be worthy to be in his proximity? How is it that we want to give something or expect something that we're not even willing to do ourselves? How is it that you have the audacity to come here Sunday after Sunday expecting me as a pastor to be holy and righteous, but day in and day out you want to be a hellion? How can you dare put an expectation on me to live sin free, but you still want to do what you want to do? After all, we're here to encourage one another. Why can't you encourage me to live right? Why can't you be an example? Let me tell you something. We will not be blessed collectively until we all do what God wants us to do. God has something great for us. God has an amazing plan for us. He has something amazing for us to do. And the only way, guess what? Our church grows is if the people grow. People don't just walk up to the church and say, I'm going to give more money. You know what happens? You start living better. You start getting better raises. You get a better job. You save money on light bills. You get married, two incomes in the situation. Then you got a little bit more to give. Why? Because you've done it God's way. More people don't just come to the church just because a few people hit like on Facebook. It's because of the fact that they see a change and a transformation in your life through the life that you're living. And as a result of it, they say, I want some of that. I want to be a part of that. So in order for that to happen, guess what? I need some true representations of what it is to be holy. God has promised that if we're holy, we are a seed that will not perish. We will see that we'll not fail. He's given us the answers. And we still choose to fail. I cheated a lot in school. I ain't going to lie. I wrote answers on my hand. 
I had very good small print penmanship where I wrote answers on the bottom of my paper. I purposely went to school, y'all better not do this. I purposely went to school to clean up the teacher's desk just to find the answers. Now, now I say this to understand, to help you understand, how stupid would it have been of me to have the answers and still get them wrong? I, I, I mean, I know that problem number one is B, I fact-checked it by looking in my book to make sure she didn't put a dummy copy there for me. I made sure that it's right, and I still have the cheat sheet, and I get it wrong. Make it plain. Every day when you wake up and you do the opposite of what God has asked you to do, when you got the best cheat sheet in the world, you make yourself look like a fool. You can't get mad about anybody that disrespects you in a relationship when you know that ain't a relationship that God has called you to be in. You the fool. You have the answers. You can't get mad because he got your goodies and left you. Why? Because you wasn't supposed to give him the goodies in the first place. You the fool. You have the answers. It's, it's, it's that simple. So why are you upset about it when you have the answers? There's only one lifestyle we're supposed to live. And I know why people don't preach about holiness because they're going to lose half their members. So I'm going to tell y'all, if you leave, that's okay. Because the Bible tells me that he prunes. <laughs> and as he prunes, he does it for a purpose. Because we can grow. I, I love you all, but I want to make sure you understand something. If you have been a virus that have held us back, I need you out. I, I need you gone for the simple fact that we don't, wanna, we don't want nothing contagious in the building. We are trying to get to where God wants us to be. Uh, we are a fellowship. A fellowship means that we have all agreed openly and honestly that we're going to work together to do what God has asked us to do. If you don't want to be a part of the fellowship, stay on the outside. You don't have to come here to lie to yourself. I'm not going to make you feel good. It's, it's just the, it's the truth. Christmas ain't about what you're putting up under that tree. Christmas is not about the hot cocoa. It's not about the fireplace. It's not about Santa coming down the chimney. It's not about any of that. It's about simply, re simply remembering, if you can't remember it, any other day of the year, that God made a sacrifice so that you can have life. And this is the catch. Because a kid, he lives for Christmas all year long. They're celebrating right now. Catch this. After they open their gifts December 25th, December 26th, the countdown begins again. They are waiting for Christmas all over again. It was something they didn't get this year that they won't next year. Why is it as believers that we can't make living for Jesus an all-year thing? Why can't we make a countdown that, I, Lord, all I want to do is make sure I'm not on your naughty list. I want to make sure I'm on your nice list. I want to make sure that I'm doing what you want me to do day in and day out. I'm not asking you to do it for me. I'm asking you to do it for you. My seed is blessed. We're going to grow. I know that I'm not perishable. I, I've made the decision that I'm sold out for Jesus. But what I don't want you to do is be one of the fools that's talking about me because you see me growing and you wondering why you still looking bad. Yeah, pastor driving a beat up truck right now. But it'll be a Cadillac or a Benz packed out there again. I can't help but to tell you. So I don't need no haters around me talking about what I got and you ain't got it. You've been here this whole time. Yeah, you sure right, but you ain't listen. I did. Every Sunday before I talked to you, I talk to God myself. I'm, I'm going to have some blessings in my life. Yes, my children are going to go to college. They're going to do what's right. Why? Because they are my seed. And if they come from a good seed, they're going to be a great seed. I'm going to live the life that God has called me to live. Don't be jealous of me. I'll be an alien to you if you want me to be. I, I've made a decision that I can't pacify y'all. We're going into another year. Greater is waiting. Greater is waiting. God is expecting us to do some great things. I'm tired of making mistakes. I'm tired of making bad decisions. We're going to go and we're going to spend the rest of this time making New Year's resolutions when we really need to get to a point where we have a resurrection. Amen.
We need to allow the dead within us to rise. We need to allow Christ to take over who we are so that 2017 can truly be different. So that 2017 can truly change. Just deleting a phone number ain't going to fix your relationship problems. Turning off your Facebook page ain't going to keep people from talking about you. We have to make some life-changing things which deal with the way we think, the way we believe, and the way we behave. If you're not willing to fix those areas of your life, you will continue to repeat the same cycle over and over. You have the opportunity to give God the best gift this year, and that's the gift of holiness. The gift of not only what's valuable to you, your life, but the gift of being committed to Christ for the rest of your life. I envy, as I close, I envy the the young man on the cross when Jesus was crucified because there were two thieves there. There were two thieves on the cross and we know the text. There was one thief that was running his mouth. He's talking trash. If you're supposed to truly be the son of God, if you're supposed to truly be the Messiah, the king of the Jews, why don't you take yourself and take us down with you right now? Take us off this cross right this moment if that's really who you are. If you are who you say you are. On the other side of him, there was another individual. Another thief. But the thing about this thief, his mind was a little bit different. Matter of fact, his mind was so different, he, he said to the one brother, what's wrong with you? How dare you talk to him in this manner? Then he showed me not only is his mind different, but his spirit was different. Because in the moment that he said, what's wrong with you? He then said, you know what? He's up here for something he didn't do. We're up here for something we did do. And then the crazy thing is not only did his mind get right, not only did his spirit get right, but his behavior changed. And that moment on the cross, he looked over to Jesus and he says, listen, can you do me one favor and remember me and your father's house? And the crazy thing is that Jesus said to him, this day I will remember you. I want you to see the difference. There was one person that decided to do it God's way. And there was one person that decided to do it his way. God's way was rewarded. His way was nothing. If I can't leave you with nothing else, I want to make sure that you understand something. God rewards those who are holy not helpless there was a man on the cross both of them were helpless but only one of them chose to be holy all of us are helpless we don't control our finances God does we don't control who we're in a relationship with God should but you can't always go to God complaining and crying about why this ain't working for me when you're not living the way God is asking you to do now's an opportunity for you to give yourself to Christ If you're here today and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do so. Father God, we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for how you've just let your word flow, how you've made it all make sense, how you put it all together. And God, we're praying right now as we issue this opportunity for people to come to you. If people have not really been sold out for you, that they decide today I want to be bold about who I'm serving and that they want to give themselves unto God. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.